This is Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land and water. I'm Glenn Wheeler. This is episode 251, brought to you with listener support. Become a patron at patreon.com slash Mi'kmaq Matters. We told you about the sad story of the white pine found in the opening line of the Otanufa land and almost nowhere else these days in the province, a victim of clueless clear cutting. For indigenous people, the disappearance of a species hurts us in the cultural core because land is intimately connected to culture, to language, medicine, to what it is to be Mi'kmaq. But this week we have some good news from Nova Scotia where there is work underway promoting a Mi'kmaq way of looking after the forest. The Mi'kmaq Forestry Initiative is a partnership of Indigenous organizations and the provincial government aimed at caring for the trees and ecosystem in a Mi'kmaq way so that the forests can sustain us today and be available for future generations. The initiative has 30,000 hectares for which it's providing stewardship and it's about to move from a pilot project stage into something more permanent. We spoke with project manager Elizabeth Jessam of the Unamagi Institute of Natural Resources. First of all, tell us uh, a bit about the Mi'kmaq Forestry Initiative and who's on there from uh, the Mi'kmaq side. Sure. Um, so it's a province-wide initiative here in Nova Scotia Mi'kma'ki, um that is aimed to uh, develop and promote a Mi'kmaq-led forestry sector to build Mi'kmaq capacity in the sector, as well as to care for and develop uh, the land base according to Mi'kmaq values and principles. Uh, the initiative brings in the 13 Mi'kmaq communities in Nova Scotia. It's governed by the Nova Scotia Assembly of Mi'kmaq Chiefs, as well as the boards of directors of our partner organizations, the Unamagi Institute of Natural Resources, and the Confederacy of Mainland Mi'kmaq. In the first uh, uh, phase of uh, the uh, of the initiative, you have thirty thousand hectares across the province. And I understand they're not all together; they're various uh, parcels uh, in smaller areas, from I guess down Bear River all the way up to uh, Cape Breton. So, tell us about what kind of lands are included in those thirty thousand hectares. Sure. Yeah, I guess um, the forest itself changes as we move across the province. And so down in Digby or very near the, the community of Bear River, there's just under 8,000 hectares of land there. Um, a lot of hemlock and pine and that sort of thing down there. And then as you move into kind of more central Nova Scotia, where the St. Croix land base is, that's just over 12,000 12, hectares. Um, lots of red spruce kind of in that area. And then as we move um, eastward, I guess, towards what we call the eastern lands, those parcels are more scattered. And so um, there's one parcel in Anaganish County, one in Guysboro, and the rest in Unamagi or Cape Breton. And uh, those lands, um, they're very different than the mainland uh, properties, I'll say. They're a lot of things, a lot of balsam fir um, 
uh, white spruce, uh, still an Acadian forest mix, but um, we don't get red spruce really up in, on this end of things. And so um, it's exciting. The land base is diverse, which is great because it gives communities access to um, different forest types and uh, species. And those 30,000 hectares, have they been, um, are they in their natural state or has there been human intervention in the form of logging or other industrial activity? Yeah, that's a good question. And interesting to kind of think about how to answer that one. I, th- I think all of the forests in, in this area would have been harvested one time or another, likely a few times over. The Mi'kmaq Forestry Initiative land base um, is very diverse, not just in forest types. So we do have some old growth forest areas and old forest areas on on the parcels. Um, some other some other areas that um, have been set aside for quite some time for different special management practices uh, to care for different species that are there. Some areas would have been farm fields for quite a long time and have kind of reforested and then been harvested through forestry activities. A lot of the land base um, would have at one time or another likely been involved in kind of um, industrial forestry. And so um, I think we have the spectrum from kind of uh, set aside conserved areas of old growth right to, um, you know, areas that would have been quite heavily managed for forestry Mm. or farming. It's good that you still have some old growth uh, in those 30,000 hectares, because I think in Nova Scotia, there's not much sort of natural old growth left uh, because of the scale of uh, human activities over the years. So you're you're lucky to have some in that uh, 30,000 parcel. Yeah, it was part of our um, selection process, I guess. So just as a bit of history, I mentioned kind of our project partners, um, the Unamagi Institute of Natural Resources and the Confederacy of Mainland Mi'kmaq. And um, where I kind of sit or hang my hat at uh, Gwilamug Maglusuhan with the Mi'kmaq Rights Initiative. So we worked um, with that team to kind of and the province of Nova Scotia, who have been tremendous partners in this initiative and looked at kind of the public or crown land base and tried to select parcels that um, that could offer different opportunities, whether it was from a, you know, harvesting or gift gathering perspective from the forest or, um, you know, the opportunity for research or, um, you know, stewarding areas where there may be species at risk in old forests. So we really wanted to... Um, begin with a land base that was diverse and would provide diverse opportunities for Mi'kmaq communities. So, um, yeah, and, and, you know, in the in the province, I think if we're thinking kind of like pre-contact forests, I don't know that we would find any of that, but we do have some forests that um, have beautiful old growth characteristics and we'll continue to kind of conserve those, um, you know, and hope to develop kind of more diversity of uh, age classes and, and forest structures on the land base over time. Is it the plan uh, to bring those back to a more natural uh, state, what they were before, uh, whatever happened there, logging or, or whatever? Yeah, certainly. I think that the term we've been using um, coming from, you know, Mi'kmaq leadership and also the, the you know, elders, knowledge keepers and youth that we've been fortunate enough to engage with these last few years, we're kind of coining our approach restoration forestry. And so um, still very much interacting with the land base, harvesting trees, um, but doing so in a way that kind of reflects what we'll call the natural disturbance regimes or the ecological needs of the area. Um, and, you know, as the forests start to grow back, we're not only selecting for um, 
you know, what would be called crop trees or trees that we would have kind of a, an interest in harvesting for pulp and paper or building materials. Um, but we're selecting trees that have biodiversity values, values to support wildlife, um, you know, food and medicinal values. So, um, you know, some areas we would have almost things in a plantation state or, you know, it would have been tended to be, you know, pretty, pretty dominant red spruce, you know, if we're in central or in the east here where I am, um, you know, balsam fir and white spruce. And so, you know, we'll get in there, um, do some harvesting. And then as things regenerate in the forest um, rejuvenates itself, um, of course, we're still going to have those species in there, but we're going to uh, select for a wide variety of, of values. So going forward, uh, I think uh, MFI started uh, in the um, what around 2018, 2019 back then, and now you're you're at the end of a kind of a pilot stage. I want to become more permanent. And how would you see the future unfolding in your in your new uh, your new phase? Yeah, it's it's been a, a journey. I came into the picture in 2020, and I know the pilot project uh, kicked off in 2019. In the last few years, we've really been focusing on just establishment, just getting, you know, our, our feet under us, so to speak. So thinking about and speaking with communities to understand what Mi'kmaq forestry means, um, what does that look like? Um, and, you know, what, you know, what's our communication plan? What's our business plan? Um, really, it's it's all been foundational Um you know, and we have goals still to be realized, you know, to, again, build that Mi'kmaq capacity in the sector, get more Mi'kmaq-led businesses, whether it's, you know, harvesting contractors um, or, you know, traditional chefs who want to access food on the land base or someone who's interested in, you know, perhaps an ecotourism venture. I think there's so much opportunity here. So um, I just want to stress that it's, it's such early days, really. We've just been laying the foundation and continuing to negotiate with uh, the province of Nova Scotia on a long-term agreement. So, Within this next year, we hope to have that long-term agreement um, in hand. And I think that will open the door um, and give communities, I think, some comfort that their their vision for these lands can be realized over time. I mean, as you can appreciate, forests um, operate on a much different time scale than us humans do, right? And so the, mm -hmm. the stages of growth and development that the forests will go into and um, for us to really achieve that vision of restoration could take a few centuries um, mm. and, you know, many generations. And so this long-term agreement will um, set the stage to um, to comfort communities in knowing that the vision we're setting down now, you know, in seven, 14 generations from now, um, communities will have access to a different forest than we mm. have today. Um, you know, climate change, I think, is, is something we'll have to, you know, navigate through together but um and that long-term agreement will also uh, open the door to things like carbon opportunities carbon related opportunities where we may want to enter um carbon agreements on either the voluntary or the regulated market to help support Mi'kmaq for stewardship um and uh, and different ventures on the land base so uh it, it will be nice we've the pilot started in 2019 it was originally a three-year pilot and we've extended that a few times just to allow for kind of uh, the initiative building to continue. Um, and really, it's 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 a public land base. And so typically, you know, the, the relationship as a licensee would be um, it may be an area based agreement 
um, associated with certain areas of land, or it may be a volume-based agreement where um, companies would want a guaranteed amount of kind of wood that they could harvest over a certain time period. Um, for us, um, it, it is area-based, you could say, say that, but it's also, we've had to get creative and really work with our provi provincial partners to expand um, and really develop a new license agreement uh, that would allow communities to um, have the opportunity to develop a wide variety of things over time in the land base. So, you know, forestry uh, is is one thing in the harvesting of those trees. But as I mentioned, um, you know, there's interest over time in seeing what the potential is for things like ecotourism on the land base, um, creating spaces for land-based learning. Um, you know, the kind of the cultivation of what we call non-timber forest uh, values. Um, so thinking of the forest very much as gardens where we're interacting with them um, and caring for them and then being able to harvest kind of the gifts that those efforts provide. So it's, yeah, the long-term agreement is key. Um, it's a few years in in the making and we're really excited to, uh, to see what its final um, form is. And so, and is it the thought that the, with a permanent agreement, there'll be more than 30,000 hectares or are you, working on uh, your um, the way we'll manage the existing 30,000 hectares? We're focusing for now um, on the 30,000 hectares, I think with the long-term goal of growing, and that could happen through a few means. It could be um, the addition of additional public lands. It could also be um, land purchases over time or partnerships with um, private land um, stewards. So right now we're, we're starting small um, and, and stepping carefully and really trying to uh, set a strong foundation so that we feel confident expanding. Mm -hmm. um, this initiative has really been built from the ground up with communities. I mean, some, if you kind of do a scan of First Nations forestry initiatives across the country, even, um, there's different kind of structures or ways that they're set up and some fall um fall in step with the industry of the area and the day and i'm not saying that's a bad thing but our communities have really asked us to um to build something grassroots right and kind of rethink about how we relate and interact with the forest here and so expand over time but um right now we're going to focus on on the 30,000 hectares you mentioned you've been working with the the government of Nova Scotia because it is crown land so i guess from a legal standpoint it is the land is uh, you know under the government of nova scotia's jurisdiction at this time um how about the the non-mi'kmaq communities has there been any, have there been any challenges dealing with them because we know that uh land can be very emotive uh issues um when um you know the uh, non-indigenous people feel that something's being taken away from them so has there been any static from that uh, point of view no, I would say quite the opposite. I think um, the folks that we interact with or that I speak to are, um, are you know, relieved and thankful that finally we are um, allowing the First Nations to take a leadership role. I mean, we're all here on unceded territory, right? Mm -hmm. We're most of us settlers in this land. And so um, in general, the folks that I speak to are really excited to see how this develops and to see First Nations at the table and um, leading leading um, 
stewardship of the land, right? And and have a lot of faith in um, the Elnu or the Mi'kmaq way where, um, you know, there's a lot of respect for all of the beings that we share the land with, not just um, us humans and our needs. So no, I think we've, we've received tremendous support from um, the public and even the forestry industry itself, right? Just um, folks pleased to see this work happening. It's long overdue. And um, yeah, nothing but encouragement so far, which is nice. Yes. And I suppose uh, from a Mi'kmaq point of view, it's uh, the land is um, is a very fundamental issue because so much of uh, being able to live a Mi'kmaq life is connected to the land in terms of, um, you know, gathering, medicine, ceremony, and all that. And um, so I suppose uh, for for us, it's even more significant than for those uh, those other communities. Yeah, and certainly um, that came out quite clearly in the conversations that we had with um, Mi'kmaq people from elders down to, to youth, really. Like, you know, we would sit around the table and and did different engagements, everything from like a cup of tea at a kitchen table to walks in the woods um, to kind of formal focus groups and interviews to try to understand what Elnu or Mi'kmaq forestry is. And so I think almost everyone we spoke to talk about, spoke about that rather, just the the excitement, um, the relief, the gratitude, um, the opportunity um, that they saw with these lands. Um, for exactly the reasons you speak of, um, you know, being forcibly removed from from the land base and not able to practice their culture. You know, land is something that community members hold dear, and it 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 means um, it means something deep. So even if we're talking about forestry, um, really the most important thing for this initiative to accomplish is to kind of create those spaces or provide those spaces where. Um, community members can go where, you know, intergenerational knowledge exchange, passing knowledge down from elders to youth can happen. A lot of folks talk about, um, talk about the opportunity at hand for kind of language revitalization, because so much of language is rooted in, in um, being and doing out in, in nature. Um, And, you know, we've worked with some some teachers who um, do land-based learning programming in Mi'kmaq schools and um, other elders who really, again, just see the opportunity for getting youth out on the land and um, and reestablishing that connection. So, you know, communities are excited for the forestry aspect of it, but they're excited um, to have lands that that can be Mi'kmaq land and, and cared for according to Mi'kmaq values. So it's... Um, it means a lot more than just harvesting some trees to the communities. Well, great, Elizabeth. Um, uh, good luck as uh, you enter the uh, the next phase of the uh, Mi'kmaq Forestry Initiative. Well, all, and, and thank you so much for having me on the show. We were speaking with Elizabeth Jessam of the Unamagi Institute of Natural Resources. She is the project manager of the Mi'kmaq Forestry Initiative. That is it for the program. The Mi'kmaq Matters team is producer Allison Baker, correspondent Greg Janes, and researcher Hilary McGinnis. Look for us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and on our new website, Mi'kmaqMatters.com. This is Glenn Wheeler saying, 
Amazon Nokia.